now listening to the Brandon Brand Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brandon Brand Sports Podcast, episode 97. We're going to lead off with some NFL. I was thinking to myself as I was putting together the notes for the show that it's been an actual slow week in sports, but as of today, there's actually quite a few things to talk about uh, in the NFL. Uh, particularly. So I don't know how we should start this. Should we do the Ravens-Dolphins preview? Should we talk about uh, Cam Newton? Should we talk about Odell? Uh, Both guys landing with new teams. Uh, Brady's the new favorite for NFL MVP. That's up there too. Uh, What do you think? Uh, I think we could start basically anywhere, but I I do want to touch on Odell because I'm quite surprised where he landed. It seems like he's going to be joining the one of the Super Bowl favorite uh, L.A. Rams. Um, I don't know how happy he's going to be there because they've got a clear number one in Cooper Cup. They spread the ball around quite a bit. They don't run the ball as much as a lot of teams do, but they've got a lot of options there. Matt Stafford's having a pretty good year, though. It was a big stink bomb last Sunday night, losing the, the Titans without Derrick Henry. Um, and it wasn't that the Titans scored a lot of points. They just kept a lot of points off the board. But I guess if you're going for it, you're going for it. They picked up Von Miller at the trade deadline last week. He didn't show uh, for the Sunday game. He was injured. But I guess they're just compiling every single piece that they possibly can. I just think it's going to be a distraction for the Rams who are already humming. It's kind of an odd one for me because, like, in a way... It's surprising because all the teams that were on his list, supposedly, you know, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Saints, those were the the three that he had allegedly uh, narrowed it down to. None of that happened, and now we've got this swerve with the Rams. So that's surprising. But the not surprising part being that, as we said last week, they're one of the main contenders in the uh, NFC. So, like... There's two real sides to this. As far as how he's going to produce that team, I really think you hit the nail on the head and how much he can actually contribute um, with how they play the game and spread the ball around and stuff. Like It'll be very interesting to see how he slides in. Yeah, and I mean, he gets a lot of publicity, but I'm still not convinced OBJ's that good. And maybe that's why the Rams looked at it as maybe we can slot him in a, as a 2-3. Is that going to make Odell happy? I don't know. Winning a Super Bowl ring shut him up? Maybe. But... Clearly, Sean McVay has a, a unique offense, and a unique perspective on how to win and how to score points. So that might help him. But the one thing that I look at is that the Rams are already humming. Like I said, they're already on a trajectory that puts them as, you know, top five at least in the NFC. If he starts to rock the boat, man, like everyone's really not going to take that shit from Odell on this team because they don't need him. There's a difference between wanting and needing and that kind of thing, but they don't need Odell. Well, I think this is kind of the real test for him. Because, if I mean, we said it before with the teams he's been on. They've all been bad. I think we could safely say that this is the first legitimate, really good team he's been on. Yeah. So it's a totally new environment. Is he going to go to a really good team and pull the same diva drama shit that he did in the other teams? It's hard to say. Maybe the the tension and in, in the losing situation creates that kind of attitude. Maybe it's will, a contributing factor. There's yeah, no question. Maybe he goes to the Rams and ends up being the Antonio Brown of yeah. that team. It's entirely possible. Now, I mean, you've said it before. Odell is not Antonio Brown, 
so maybe it might be an unfair comparison, but I don't think that it would be too far-fetched to see him actually do well, provided that they intend to utilize him. Yeah. No, I mean, the other funny point was, yeah, you mentioned the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Adams came out and admitted that he had approached OBJ, saying that, I don't know what was discussed, but obviously they talked about OBJ maybe joining the Packers, I thought that might be an okay fit just because he'd slot in pretty nicely right behind Devontae. There's no other guy that gets consistent targets from Aaron Rodgers aside from, you know, Aaron Jones out of the backfield. Robert Tunyon, he's done for the year. And he's done for the year, yeah. So, you know, the guys like Marquez, Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, lovely receivers, but they just don't get consistent looks. So he may have slotted in nicely, but it doesn't matter anymore. Going to the Rams, we'll see what happens. They're coming off a loss. They're seven and two now, and uh, yeah, they got to keep the momentum going. Like no, nothing's really slowed down here. I mean, the Packers did lose the game to Jordan Love at the helm. They're at seven and two. They dropped a game. You have to you have to think Packers fans are, are looking at that game and starting to sweat a little bit as opposed to what that team's going to look like after this season. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I get I get that. I'm I'm not going to be too quick to judge Jordan Love. He was just thrust in there out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And the Chiefs' defense is much improved. But, I mean, they only scored seven points. That was god-awful. I mean, the Chiefs didn't play very well either. That was a stink game. It was terrible. Pure stink. A lot of stinkers lately. Yeah. 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 But I just want to touch on the NFC a little bit further. I mean, Dallas lost again. Man, did they ever come out flat against Denver. Um, Do you think it, well, they ended up scoring some points later in the game. Garbage but they, time. Yeah, it he, was like 30 nothing. Yeah, they were, they were uh, doing the goose egg thing for the majority of that yeah, game. Yeah, so a lot of the top guys that we mentioned last week... You know, a lot of one-loss teams are no longer. And the one that I thought was probably the most likely to lose was my Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray being parked, DeAndre Hopkins being parked for the week. But Colt McCoy came in in the running game, got it all done. And their defense, man, I'm sick of it being so underrated, but it's one of the better ones in the league. First of all, Colt, Colt McCoy is the most football name to ever football ever. Uh, and second <laughs> sure. of all, I don't think enough can be said about what the Cardinals have put together here, even without some of their star players. It's Absolutely. very, very impressive. And that's a division game. I don't care that the 49ers are kind of lacking this year. Doesn't It doesn't matter when it comes to division rivals. Kittle but... came out and uh, had himself a game, though, you know, yeah. <laughs> against all predictions. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I saw you played two tight ends. Crazy, man. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's amazing to see uh, the Cardinals just persevere through this. It's still, un, well, I shouldn't say unlikely, but unknown if Kyler Murray's going to play this week. In fact, if there's a game to sit Kyler Murray, it's probably against the Panthers. Yeah. The Panthers, too, obviously, big intriguing notion here. They lose Sam Darno for, I don't know, six weeks. Can he go away forever now? Sam Darno? Go hang out with the ghosts? I don't know. Like, how many <laughs> more bad. How many he's more so experiments bad. are we going to have with Sam Darno here? Like, it's never been good out of the gate. He's not better on a uh, better team. I mean, he had that flash rate at the beginning before he reverted, but... Uh, I mean, the Panthers are going to have to reevaluate the whole situation. And until then, they're going nostalgia mode, bringing back Cam Newton. Yeah, man. I mean, Cam Newton had some unreal years uh, with the Panthers, an MVP season in 2015, accompanied with a Super Bowl appearance that year, came up short against the Broncos, Peyton Manning's last uh, swan song. But uh, he's a shell of that former self. We saw what he did in New England last year. Guy still has a dead arm, but he can be a valuable runner. 
uh, a company, you know, Christian McCaffrey with that, who came back from injury last week, looked okay, didn't re-aggravate that hamstring injury. Maybe they can get something done here, but at four and five and fading quickly. Fading real quick. Uh, it, they need to get something done here pretty quickly. So To, to me, this signing really says they kind of know where their future is for the rest of the season, and they're just, you know, doing the uh, the flash to the glory days, as it were. You know, because I would imagine Newton is not, like, hated in Carolina. He was kind of chased out of there for the most he, part. He was. They, they, the signs were on the wall that he couldn't throw the ball anymore. And back then, too, he wasn't running as much as he did when he came back with New England. But I will say this. I, they are at 4-5, and five, but the Falcons control the last wildcard position in the NFC at 4-4. Four and four. So, I mean, they're not light years behind. But the trend is not good. They've lost 5 of 6. And uh, the other good news in the NFC is that it's very top-heavy. And I think very. we mentioned that. The other teams below Atlanta at 4-4 at four and four are all under 500. That includes the Vikings, well, the there's, Bears. There's no real separation between any of those teams, too. Like, you could really take that whole group and you couldn't pick one from the other in terms of talent level. Like, it's all very much the exact same level of mediocrity. Yeah. I mean, the one team that certainly should be better than the record is Minnesota. I mean, they've been the victim of last-second field goals missed, field goals getting kicked against them at the last second. But a loss is a loss. You, you didn't win the game. Um, but then you got the NFC East. No one's got more than three wins there. Um, below the Rams and the, and the Cardinals and the NFC West, you know, the Seahawks and 49ers only have three wins. So there's a lot of teams that are in that bottom echelon that are just not that good. So uh, a wavering, I guess... Eight and eight and eight used to be it, but you know a, a nine and nine and eight because they're going one more game this year might get you in. So if Cam Newton come in and control the ball, not turn it over, rely on Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they they can make some noise at least get in, squeak in. Things aren't going to get easier for the uh, the Vikings either because a they've drawn the Chargers this week, and obviously we've talked about it before. Chargers very uh, unsung heroes and underrated. And, We've, we love Herbert, so uh, we won't repeat that too much. But they've also got the whole uh, Dalvin Cook uh, assault allegation Man, thing going one. on, too. Another way. It seems like we're talking about this every week, huh? Like, yeah. constantly. Yeah, and it's a he, it's a classic he said, she said battle. I mean, the, the, the account of events from both sides are complete opposites. Yep. What actually occurred seems to be relatively consistently accurate between the two. But who was the aggressor? What started everything seems to be finger pointing. So I don't know where this is going to go, but it's just another maybe nowhere. You know, it doesn't seem quite as bad as some of the other ones we've seen. But like, wouldn't that just be so Minnesota if like I don't know he got in trouble enough to the point where he's not allowed to play for the rest of the season or something yeah. like that? Oh, would just... ten years ago, AP had that. Yeah, so. I, I would just be the Vikings' luck. You know, not that I thought they were ever very good this season. I mean, we've harped on the whole Cousins things ad nauseum. Well, the whole thing is Dalvin Cook has really not been himself this year. There, I think a lot of it comes down to play calling, but he's not performing to the level he did last year and years prior. It's very much been a a passing attack supplemented with a little bit of run and I think you know his performances have led to less touches and less opportunities but he's just certainly not the performer he's been in well, years past well, well this is going to hamper them I mean, we could probably say he's one of if not their best player 
Traditionally, yeah, I but I mean, Thielen maybe like it's Justin Jefferson. Justin I Jefferson think is even is eclipsed yeah. Thielen at this point. Yeah, but I mean, their defense still looks okay. That's been one of the staples with Minnesota. But the offense just—it's not consistently good. It's shown flashes, but just not consistently good. When is that team gonna use one of their draft picks to draft a high quarterback? Like you, like you, you would think it's it's about time. Probably you know? should have three years ago, but that's neither here nor there. Um, some of the other games that uh, uh, jump out to me: the Cardinals, Panthers. Obviously, we've talked about both teams a little bit, but should be an intriguing matchup uh, just to see what the Cardinals do. Uh, just given the injury bug that has bit them, and then the Panthers now bringing in Newton to see if they throw him in right away. Uh, I don't know if you can throw. Cam Newton in on Sunday. No, I mean, this was just announced today. It's yeah, Thursday. I mean it's yeah, it's uh, very early. Yeah. But I mean, who else do you have? But I mean, uh, certainly I think he needs a week of practice. Mm. I mean, and the guy hasn't played all year, so I mean, I think it would be a dumb move, but it might happen. I mean, but, stra- stranger things have happened. There's no doubt. Um, Chiefs and Raiders also look kind of neat to me. Uh, not because it will be a real barn burner of a game, but uh, both teams have been enough of a train wreck on uh, different sides of the spectrum that it has a little bit of interest to me just to see how it'll play out. Well, and Raiders Chiefs is always a battle, man. Like another division rival there. Even in years where Vegas and Oakland, when they were there, were bad, like really bad. They always played the Chiefs tough. The one game that really stands out to me is New England-Cleveland. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Well, because New England is in a playoff spot right now, five and four. I, I Cleveland doesn't look that good. Chubb's been on, been put on the COVID nineteen list, so he might sit. Um, and New England just they seem to be building momentum every week. Every week they uh, they to me look better than what I thought the week prior. It, it's almost the opposite thing with New England now, because obviously in years past, led by Brady, that's all anyone talked about. Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Now nobody's talking about them. Mm-hmm. And they're quietly, quietly building themselves into a spot. you got to think that Bill Belichick just loves that shit. I think, I think he's reveling in, in the situation that they're in now. I think he took it on the chin last year, and he took it personally. I mean, we all know that they spent records amount of money, at least by the New England Patriots standards, to get a bunch of free agents who for the most part have mostly worked out for them I mean they're clearly better than they were last year a lot has to be given a lot of credit has to be given to Mac Jones um yeah more credit than we have given him for sure and he's like he's gotten better every single week um the other matchup that kind of looks comical to me depends if Aaron Rodgers plays or not but Jordan Love versus Geno Smith and the Seahawks, <laughs> that could be a real stink bomb. But if we're talking about stink bombs, and there's been a bunch in the NFL, we'll get to some in the NHL recently, but how about the Buffalo Bills? Oh, they're... Uh, they're... We have to talk about the Buffalo Bills. I was, what I... the hell was that? I was just going to say, like the AFC is starting to look a little bit more wide open in terms of who's going to take it, because the Bills, I don't know what has gotten into that team lately. Six points Jesus against the God. Jaguars wasn't a touchdown in that game. Like I, I'm glad I didn't tune into any of that. 9-6. <laughs> and that's a high-powered Buffalo offense. And I'm not saying the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is, is horseshit because it's not. It's actually pretty good. But come on, man. Like, that's, well, it's not that's good, bad. It's not good enough for a team that everyone had pegged to be potentially a Super Bowl contender. Like, that's... That doesn't scream to me that they're going to have very good chances if they ever meet up with uh, the Buccaneers. You know uh, I, mean? I mean, there's 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 something to be said about a flush game where you just 
get rid of it in your mind. Don't even look at the tape. I'm taking that from Kevin Bieksa. He said that against the Leafs when they lost 7-1 to the, the Penguins a few weeks ago. And I, I truly believe there's merit to that. Like, there's some games where just sometimes you don't have it. But clearly, even if you don't have it against the Jaguars, you should win. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that game stood out to me more than anything last week. I could not believe that they lost that game. Obviously, the Jaguars are, are pretty irrelevant this year, but what are they sitting at for record, out of curiosity? Two wins. Two wins? That's double what they had last year. Yeah, I mean, that's a good sign. What I think we had them at, like, four, maybe five wins or something like after that. We got off, uh, <laughs> after we got over our little hot and bothered <laughs> section yeah, there I in the summer. I hope nobody goes back to listen to that. We probably sound like dumbasses. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean... On the other side of it, in the same division, it looks like the Houston Texans are going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars of this year. They won their very first game of the year, just like Jacksonville did last year, and they've lost nine in a row. They'll probably lose the rest of their games down the stretch. Is anyone and, shocked about that, though? Um, You know, given what I saw in the first week, and it's week one, anything can happen. If Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt the way he does, I don't think they're a one-win team. Now, I know he came back last week, but they'd already lost eight in a row before that. Everything's just kind of snowballing into this abyss. But I think if Tyrod Taylor stays healthy through these first 10 games, I think they win a couple extras. Is, is I that do. really what the Houston Texans want at this point? Because if they finish low enough and get a high enough pick for a game-changing player and manage to finally shop Watson out whenever that happens in 2026 for you know the, the King's ransom of, of assets... Like, you got to think they'd have to be in a fairly decent position to progress. Well, I think the, the the perfect situation for the Houston Texans is to, whether it's on purpose or not, is to lose the rest of their games. And yeah. sure, they get that number one overall pick and target a quarterback. Then you don't need a quarterback in return for Deshaun Watson. You can focus on everything else you need, which is a lot. Which is a Houston lot. Texans. Oh, yeah. But that King's Ransom doesn't need to include a quarterback. Like, if you're going to Miami and saying, do, do I want Tua? No, I don't want Tua. What am I going to do with him? Yeah. You know, you can focus on other areas of the football, defensive and offensive. So I think that's the perfect situation for the Houston Texans. Hey guys, you should give us a song and head on over to our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and give a like. Give everything a like, because our numbers are terrible, and that would be a huge A lot of dark headlines going there, uh, so we'll cover those off first before getting into the actual game stuff. But uh, Bob Murray, GM of the Anaheim Ducks, after... I guess rumors floating around that he was a little bit unruly in his practices, but he has resigned as of today uh, and entering an alcohol abuse program, which is, you know, hot on the heels of Gary Price coming back from rehab. So uh, this thing uh, with substance abuse in the NHL is uh, rearing its ugly head a little bit more frequently. Well, I think you, you nailed it with the, the dark headlines. It's not just the substance abuse. I mean, I actually look at the Gary Price story as actually a, a good news story because he admitted he needed help and all that kind of thing. Uh, Murray was kind of forced into this. I mean, it was only a few years ago, the head coach of the Dallas Stars, I can't remember his name. Jim Montgomery. He was forced out because he was a big boozer. But just in general, man, the NHL's got a lot of dark clouds looming, hanging over everyone's head, you know, with the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, 
just misbehavior and and things like that and i guess when it rains it pours that's that adage is absolutely accurate at certain junctures in time but um yeah it's unfortunate to see these things but you know hopefully we have to look at these people as human beings not just athletes not just you know professional sports team executives and things like that uh, they've affected people, but they hopefully can make amends to those things. But number one, try to get yourself healthy. You know what's crazy, too, is that Bob Murray has held that position ever since Brian Burke. Oh, for a very long very time. Very long time. He even stepped in as head coach at one point, I yeah, think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, he had been one of the longer tenured uh, GMs. And, like, I know the Ducks have had uh, some bad ice days in recent years, but like I think as of now, they're still sitting in the mix for a playoff. Oh, spot, they're vastly though, improved. Yeah, we va- called they, that. They, I mean, they have a lot of good young players. They really, yeah. really. If this year's not the year, the future's very, very bright in Anaheim. Yeah. It, it really, really is. Uh, they, and they've maybe, got Dallas Aikens as head coach too. Like I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, he'd been cast away after those dark days in uh, yeah, Edmonton. Edmonton. Yeah, at the coach graveyard. Well, he was like the next coming of Christ in terms of coaching prodigy at the time. Yeah, and then just took the wrong job. But I, you know, if I'm him, of course I'm going to take that Edmonton job. I can turn this around. I got too much talent. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I think at the time nobody could really turn that Edmonton team around. Not at that point no. in time. Not not at that point. And in that time. was that was like he came up right when they were uh, bringing in Hall and Eberly and uh, Piarvi. I think that was the that was the Trinity at the time uh, when they brought in Akins. And then like none of that gelled whatsoever, goddamn ever. Obviously, if you go back and, and look at the win loss yeah, record, but they had Justin Schultz, who was supposed to be the next prodigy, who's had a pretty respectable NHL career since. Leaving Edmonton, actually. Yeah, I mean, he, he jailed well in Pittsburgh. I think he's in Washington. Washington, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like, not really your, your highest profile of offensive defenseman, but he's certainly not a bad player. You know, I read something today, if we're going to stick on the Edmonton Oilers, that they might try to target Marc-Andre Fleury from the Blackhawks. Now, that, yeah, would, cha- that would change my opinion move. of the Oilers pretty drastically. I mean, it still doesn't help that fucking defense, but, uh, I mean, if Mike Smith can put up the numbers that he That's has what I'm with saying. that team, there's no, saying. no question in my mind that Marc-Andre Fleury could do it. The real question is, does Fleury go? Because he, Can they afford Fleury? They, can they afford Fleury? But he was hesitant to go to Chicago, if you remember. He was absolutely goddamn livid when he got Well, I just trick. think he was more shocked that Vegas backhanded him yeah which did. yeah i mean call a spade a spade that's what it was it was <laughs> yeah. fucking backhand for sure <laughs> yeah, for sure but let's talk about the oilers the flames like you know both teams have been playing lights out hockey i think both of us would agree with that they're one and, one and three in the west as of now yeah the so edmonton, so, is? edmonton minnesota Calgary, St. Louis is the top oh, four. Oh, top, yeah. Yeah, top four in the West. Yeah, I mean, but the last two games for both teams were fucking stinkers, too. That's a theme this week. Uh, the Oilers dropped a 4-2 decision to Detroit, who's definitely improved, but not a playoff team, in my opinion, And when things shake out at the end of the year. So that really hurt the Oilers. And the Flames lost a 4-1 setback to the Sharks, who are in the playoffs as it stands now. But maybe if they get a lot of their players back, maybe they are a playoff contender. You were a little bit excited about them uh, out of the gate going 4-0, but the Flames shouldn't have lost that game, or at least should have had a better showing. They just didn't look 
cohesive like they had the past few games. I I, I don't want to shit on the Sharks too hard. I know I've had bad things to say about them in the past because I think between their forwards and defense, uh, they're nothing to sneeze at. But, like, it's their goaltending situation that's going to fuck them. Like, right now, off top of your head, can you tell me who plays goalie for the San Jose Sharks? Uh, well, what was his name that played against the, the Flames? Is his last name Hill? Yeah. Yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> if you look at his stats, they look all right. You know what I want to touch on is I looked at Martin Jones. You know, he had been cast out of town because he'd been playing some pretty poor hockey since that playoff run in 2016, but he's 3-0 and with the Flyers and an under two goals against average. So he's actually playing pretty good minutes for them in a backup role. Hey, Martin Jones at one point was one of the most coveted young goaltenders oh, out there. Sure. Which there's, it, it seemed to be like a thing with uh, the Kings, too, churning out people like that. Because uh, there's Martin Jones and uh, Jonathan Bernier as well. And both well, guys. Darcy Kemper it, was with the, with the Kings. Bernier's like... like Got the Devils in a high, like respectable spot. I think they're sitting in eighth in the East or something like that. Fucking Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's all. I thought he's always had talent. But he's always played on terrible teams. After that, the run with the Kings there. I mean, he was cast off to the Leafs when they were terrible. Yeah. Played the last couple of years with Detroit, who's been just brutal. Um, so it's not hard to improve a team like that. Just going back to my last comment. I mean, Bernier at one point was supposed to take the reins from Jonathan Quick. That was the whole thing. I Gro- was. Gro- groom him for the top, and then yeah. just never happened. Yeah, but the Kings fell into that complacency where it's like, wow, Quick's just really good. Mm-hmm. And he was very durable at the time, but then he's had a bunch of string of injuries here, and the Kings have taken a step back in terms of the roster overall. And maybe they wish they had him. Maybe they, did. maybe they don't. I mean, Quick's still playing there now. Playing okay, Boy, Kings are. He's got to be getting up there in age, eh? Yeah, like, like, yeah. It's, it's been quite a while for him. Yeah, I mean, but he's he does he doesn't look like he's lost anything. He's still pretty good. The Kings in front of him are just not that good. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to the Flames, they're getting back in the saddle here tonight. Yeah, Remembrance Day, Montreal, Montreal tonight. Yeah, they're out east for a little bit of a swing there. It's back to back because Montreal tonight and Toronto tomorrow. So, yeah, don't underestimate the Canadians. That's when you usually put up a stinker. Yeah, yeah. But I'm interested to see them play the Leafs. They I'm, lost a lot of games to the Leafs last year. I'm not scared of Montreal, but Toronto seems to have found a little bit of, of they air improved. under their wings. Yeah, which kind of sucks. I was really hoping that continue. they were going to be an absolute train wreck. You know, because, like, just between the documentary on Prime and all the hype going into it, like, I, I really hoped they were going to go, like, 6-77 and 77 for the rest. <laughs> like, it would have just been beautiful. But, now I, I mean, obviously, they, they had to at least turn it around a little bit. Like, there's just too much there. There yeah. is, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, I mean, the alarming thing with the Flames is not this last performance, is that they can't really get it together at home. They've only got two wins. Um, first regulation loss, though, was to the... The, the sharks, but they're. If you look at it from a true 500 perspective, it's two and four on at home, and what is it, seven and one yep. at, at on the road. So, I mean, the road seems to be doing the Flames some some pretty cool things. So these next two, hopefully, they can re rekindle some of the stuff they had a couple of weeks ago. But they've uh, had home issues going back a couple seasons now. Yeah, though, they, right? it used to be where it's like they were untouchable. For so many years, even the beginning days of Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, but the last couple of years they've definitely struggled. I, I wonder how much attributes that to the fact that the Saddledome is arguably the worst arena in the NHL. Oh, I don't think that has anything to do. No, with it. No, no, you don't think so? I, I don't. Um, 
this year I will say I went to the home opener. I talked to some people that went to the game on Saturday, which was a six nothing drubbing. We, we we really do need to talk about Markstrom and how he's just crushing it. He is crushing it. Crushing Absolutely it. Four crushing out of his five wins. Well, Freeman did outs. say that yeah, was his pick for the Vesna. Yeah. And well, like, right now it looks like it. <laughs> I mean, if anyone's gonna know that shit, it's Elliot fucking Friedman. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I mean, some games they look really good, and others they've come up just short, losing three in overtime already at home. Uh, but they really need to tighten that up because the road record—if you can be even just five games over five hundred—that's exceptional. Doesn't you need it, to count on some home wins here. Doesn't it feel like this team still has a little bit of issues with like finishing their chances because they are getting tons of chances and they're still generating tons of shots. But like, there's just oh, they're moving up Monahan to the second line tonight too. I, they, like I said, I don't disagree. He, I think he's, he was due for a promotion. I just didn't know last week if it was the time. But maybe it is the time. You think so? He, he's paid his dues on the fourth line. Daryl Sutter's been raving about his work ethic. He's taken that lesser role, and he's taken it with pride. And he's still getting his power play minutes and producing. So I'm, I'm not against it. It had to happen at some point, given how he's been for performing. Well, now he's going to have Coleman and Manji Pane on his wings. So, like, I mean, that's a pretty good fucking spot to be in. I, I think Sean Monaghan doesn't have to be super game-changing. Let's put it that way. you got two stud wingers and defensively responsible wingers. Plus, so Coleman goes into those gritty areas. He he's, a, he's, he's one of those, like, prototypical Canadian players. Uh, so Monaghan doesn't have to go there. Even though he's American. But he, he he plays very much that style that Don Cherry used to rave about all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, that just means that Monaghan doesn't have to mix it up the way maybe we were expecting him to in the last few years. Um, well, that's the thing. Like, I think if Monaghan, regardless if he gets bumped up and gets more minutes, like, if they just don't give him the responsibility of try- having to carry the team in any kind of, like, a super clutch situation, as long as he's a support guy, you know, supporting actor, if you will, he might be all right. Well, that's what he's been doing yeah. the last two weeks. So, I clearly, he's kind of fallen into that. In the second line, and there's a little bit more responsibility there. Clearly, you're going to get more minutes, if anything else. But, I mean, he's impressed me. He really has, even though he's just not playing as much as he used to. Uh, over to the Eastern Conference for a little bit, because the top three over there, Panthers still holding on, even though they have their first couple of losses now. So it's uh, the Florida Panthers atop, Carolina Hurricanes falling up, and New York Rangers third, which is kind of surprising. Ah, they're not surprising me. I've really? Talk, I, but look, dude, I mean, listen that, to our I mean, episodes. That, I've been talking right. about them for years. That's right. I suppose you have been. Yeah. I've, I've never really bought onto the Rangers bandwagon, but uh, I mean, they've had... So many young guys and, and uh, high-profile young guys that that injected to the lineup. Like, it was only a matter of time, really. Yeah. The Flames are 2-0 and against the Rangers, by the way. That's right. Yeah. So, um, it, it does seem, at least early in the stages here, we've been talking about how strong the East has been for years, but the West seems to be flipping the script here, at yeah. least early going on this year. Because, like I said, I mean, the Rangers look good in terms of record points, all that kind of thing, but they've lost to the Flames twice, and... Last game was six nothing. They got beat down. Um, I mean, we haven't pl- we haven't seen the likes of Carolina, who looks to be absolutely on fire. On fire. Frederick Anderson has changed the perception of him entirely. He's he's a Vesna contender. At I, I I'm still shocked Toronto let him go. It was a very puzzling move. Well, they couldn't afford him. Couldn't afford him. They yeah. couldn't afford him. Gap crunch. I mean, There's a lot of stuff like that with the with the Maple Leafs, but. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the, the concerning thing about the, the Panthers is, yeah, they've been playing great out the gate. Bobrovsky's hurt right now. Spencer Knight's been taking the load, and I think that might have disrupted things a bit. They've lost a couple of regulation games in a row after going 10-0-1 to start. But, uh, yeah, Carolina lost their first game in regulation. They were 9-0 to start. But, damn. I mean, we we both knew that Carolina was going to continue down this road. They look, they look like a devastating type of team to play. They're just so deep up and down. Another point about the Panthers, too. I think it was yesterday, but Barkov actually became their all-time goals leader. That's not surprising. Which is, that's crazy. Like, they, they, how long is this who franchise? Who else they had? I mean, like, there's got to be someone. Like, <laughs> I mean, going back, like, how long have they been? When, like, when was their expansion? 1993. 1993. Okay, so like, who was their top star guy? It must have been Bure. Must have been Bure. Oh, Pavel Bure was. I mean, I think he had back-to-back sixty-goal seasons with with Florida, but he wasn't there long. No, it wasn't. I there mean, long. It, it, his knees started to go. The Rangers paid him a boatload of money to go over there and didn't do much and then retired. Yeah, that so. was the end of his career. Yeah. You know, like, like Florida was pretty much the last of the Pavel Bure that we all grew up watching, right? Yeah, like no, I and mean, it was only a couple seasons. So I'm, 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 I'm totally not surprised, man. They, they've never been known as a super offensive powerhouse, even though it's almost been 30 years. Like... They've only made one cup final, and that was in 1996. If Barkov stays there, like, imagine he's one of those guys that stays with one team his whole life. Well, he just signed that big deal. Big deal, exactly. If he doesn't end up getting traded, he's going to shatter every record that they have. Oh, for sure, man. Huberto's going to be right behind him, too. And and a guy who's consistently underrated, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Huberto has to be on Team Canada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about him before, but I agree. I mean, for for a winger, for an assist guy, like he's he's top notch, very very Goudreau-esque. I think they play a very similar game and mm-hmm. uh, similar of size, I think too. Yeah. So I think it'd uh, definitely be worth looking at for them. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not surprised. Florida's just been a wavering team for too long, but it seems like this is their year, at least to contend. Because they beat the the Lightning the other day, and that's been their nemesis the yeah, last few years. Absolute uh, dragon's bane on that one. Yeah. Um, and to end off with the NHL, let's talk about the Colorado Avalanche a little bit, who've been a, a, a bit of a disjointed team, and they're losing uh, super health freak Nathan McKinnon for what about a month now. Um, it's not a good sign for them, given that they haven't propelled to the top of the standings like we all thought they would. They haven't pulled it together, man. I, I'll give them. I'll give any team. That first two weeks can be just weird. You know, you're still finding your sea legs, all that kind of thing. But they just haven't pulled it together. They're at the bottom end of the, the West. Now you're losing your top player. We know how the Colorado Avalanche struggle when he or Rantanen is not in the lineup. Yeah, always. Uh, we saw that in 2019 when the Flames were the number one seed. They barely got into the playoffs, but they got their two best players back healthy, and they crushed it, right? We all remember that. So it's not good that they haven't started well. I don't like the prospects of this next month of the Avalanche. I just don't. It's not looking good. And, like, there's been rumors going back a few seasons now of, like, their star players on the Avalanche, dissension among the ranks, essentially, is what the rumors were between uh, McKinnon, Landeskog. I think he held out to... Well, last year or something like that before he signed again. But uh, the rumors being that uh, those top guys didn't actually like each other were on the same page. So, mm-hmm. like, if that there was any truth to it, maybe it's finally come to a head down there. It's hard uh, to say. I, 
Well, I mean, this injury has nothing to do with that. But I mean, clearly, the the last two three weeks, maybe there's something there. Um, I don't think it's all that serious. I mean, Landis Cog don't take no shit. He doesn't. He, at all. It's his way. He's been that captain for a long time, through thick and thin. They were terrible for years while he was there. Absolutely. I don't think it was ever a money thing with Landis Cog. I think everyone knew what he was worth when he did hold out just slightly there recently. So maybe there is something there. I don't know. Clearly, Nathan McKinnon seems to be a bit of a personality himself. Yeah, I mean, I, he, I think he thinks he's better than everyone else. He seems even like though he's, he's a bit sh- of a tyrant. You know what yeah, I mean? I just think he's. I think he's arrogant. Well, did you, he kind of like turned himself into a meme not too long ago. I don't know if we ever talked about that when it, like his health regimen came out, where like he doesn't allow the team to eat sugar and shit like that, or drink on game days, or and he like goes out of his way to make sure nobody can get their hands on that shit. So it kind of turned into a running joke among hockey fans. So yeah. like I can't imagine that's the easiest thing to be around. Hey man, day. it's one thing to make a recommendation; it's another to make it almost law yeah which it's, kind it's of a different like it thing it's like people are allowed to indulge whenever the fuck they want i don't care what the hell anyone says coach gm whatever you're allowed to do that once in a while you're allowed to have fun so i mean if he is barking this stuff and making it kind of mandatory i could see how that would push a lot of people's buttons oh yeah i mean like just it's human nature right if you're being told not to do something don't tell me what to do exactly (laughs) it's gonna push people to do it fucking more like especially with something like beer and who are you and and young rich guys who can afford to do whatever the fuck they want too like if some guy your same age coming up to you in the locker room being like all right you're not drinking for the next two weeks because we're on the road i i know if i were me and i was making five million dollars i'd be like ha ha yeah okay (laughs) who knows if that's true or not but if it is i could see that being an issue do you think you have any ideas that help us on the show Uh, is there any stuff that we don't talk about that you would like us to talk about we would like your input send us an email at brenbrandsports at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts we're open to Raptors, I think you said they lost four in a row now. They just lost to the Celtics the other night, and they've got uh, the Sixers on deck tonight. Yeah. Uh, So a little bit of a skid for the Raptors. Uh, The main headline there being that Siakam uh, not contributing to the team whatsoever. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's just coming back. It takes a while. Again, you got to get your your conditioning in line. And we've just seen a downward spiral for Siakam in terms of point production and you know, quite simply, defensive efforts with rebounding and block shots and all that kind of stuff, it is it is a bit troubling. You know, whether or not he actually wants to be with the Raptors might be another matter, but he certainly did not play well against the uh, Celtics the other day. Uh, they got blown out by 16 points. Looked like they had some momentum going there when Scotty Barnes was off, and they won three in a row, but now they've lost three in a row. They're 6-6. Six and six. Um, this feels but, like we're going to do the exact same dance with this team that we did uh, last season. <laughs> I was hoping not. It didn't look like it, but we might. But again, 500 will get you in the playoffs in the East, I assure you. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like it'll really matter because the NBA obviously has those teams. I mean, we're going to have to talk about the Warriors and how they're coming back. And obviously, you got the usual suspects with the Bucks, Lakers. Uh, well, the Bucks are under 500. Under right 500. Now. That's not, that's not going to last. Let's oh, be, it won't. Let's, it won't. It won't. Let, let's but, be real here. The yeah. Bucks are not going to stay under 500. No. Well, it's just like the Clippers who were, I think, 1-6 or something. They've won four or five in a row. Mm-hmm. It was only a matter of time. 
But uh, it is interesting to see some of these teams. Uh, I mentioned the Timberwolves. They started 3-1. and one. I think they've lost seven in a row now or something. <laughs> yeah. So right where they need to be. Yeah. But uh, the Lakers still having trouble yep. get, getting that whole team going in the right direction. Yeah, and Westbrook making himself a headline with all his turnovers and uh, the rest of the guys being asked about it now, which I thought was kind of funny. AD trying to field questions from the media, and he's like, oh, no, seriously, we're, we're sitting down and talking to him about the turnovers. Don't worry, we're, we're trying to handle it. <laughs> yeah, I think with Russell Westbrook, is he's having a real issue changing the way he plays. Mm. He plays so hard, so aggressively, always looking to take the ball to the hole. And he's had to his whole career. Maybe not so much with Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. Maybe he didn't need to, but that's just the way he plays. And I think if the Lakers are going to be successful with Westbrook, he just has to change the way he plays. He doesn't need to go that fast, that hard. There's too many other weapons there. He needs to trust his teammates. Take a step back. Yeah, I mean, it's just not needed for him there. It's not. It no. really is. And he's getting older. He's still got the legs. There's I mean, no question. That entire Lakers team are pretty much fucking geriatrics when you look at it. And in, term, <laughs> in, term, in terms of athlete years, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at LeBron for sure. But 80's not a geezer. And yeah, maybe some of the supplements. They've got Melo there. They've got Westbrook there. Yeah, I think. Uh, Melo's not playing big minutes. <laughs> like, Didn't Dwight Howard go back too? Like, he, he did, but yeah. he's not a geezer either. <laughs> but I, I guess if you look at average age, they're probably up there in terms of the NBA rankings. Yeah, I but, think they're the oldest team in the league. I think, yeah. They very well could be. Yep. But uh, I think Westbrook, for them to be successful, like I said, he's got to change his game. And he's got to change it quickly. They're only one game above 500 right now, too. But the one thing, the other thing I wanted to touch base on the NBA, how about the Pelicans, man? Oh. <laughs> they have regressed and regressed and regressed. They're 1-10 right now. Yeah, not looking good for them. I don't even know That's if not Zion's a good look. Seen, the, seen the court so far. I, I, I haven't looked into it that much. They're that irrelevant to me right yeah. now. But it doesn't matter. If, if he has or he hasn't, the team's just, they're getting worse over yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, they haven't built anything there. and I mean, Zion... Zion knows what's going on here. I mean, he's going to want out of there pretty fucking quick. It's going to be the AD situation all over again. Oh, all over dude, again. Dude, it's not even funny. <laughs> They're not even close to competing right now. I I mean, I, I can't wait for Zion to be traded Charlotte for the other ball brother so I can just repeat the process all over again. Charlotte's not giving up that no, ball. No, no. I mean, like, it's <laughs> that's not a fair comparison at all. That ball whatsoever. is way better than the rest of them. Yo, like, it... Far and away, like it's not even comparison. Like Lonzo's a, an afterthought, and I don't even think Leangelo made it to the NBA. So, like, yeah, I mean, Lamelo's on a different level, and yeah. I, I like what he's doing with Charlotte too, because I've always kind of liked the Hornets. So it's kind of nice to see them, you know, get some steam. Yeah, I, I think they've got some momentum there. Washington, after making all those moves, Westbrook leaving, bringing in Kuzma and some other actors from LA, they look really good. I think they're seven and three. So, yeah, there's some topsy-turvy stuff going on, but it's going to normalize. I just think that teams that weren't good last year, there's a lot that are here to stay. Uh, Marcus Simeon, what, what did he win? It was the uh, gold glove for second baseman? I yeah, think they it give was. a gold yeah. glove award to every position yeah. out there, and he won the gold glove, which is awesome because not only did he just tear the cover off the baseball offensively, he's a great defensive player in general. This was the first year he ever played second base on an everyday basis. So that impressive. just says how good of an athlete he is. 
Uh, weren't there some other awards just handed out recently for the MLB? I kind of um, glazed over it, but I thought there was something. There's the the finalists for all the awards, oh, okay. rookies of the go. year, yeah. Cy Young, MVPs have all been announced. Um, the good news is, and not surprising, uh, Robbie Ray was one of the top three in the AL Cy Young award. And that uh, that all goes here relatively quickly. And then on the MVP side, not surprisingly at all, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Marcus Simeon, and Shea Otani. Like I said, those Blue Jays are going to split votes, so Otani's going to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, with what Otani did for the majority of that season, I mean, I, of course you can make arguments for the Blue Jays guys, but it just seemed like he was the favorite the whole time. Yeah, I just hate it when a team, a, a guy wins the MVP from a team that doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah. But... Neither did the Blue Jays, but they were certainly way closer than the Angels. Uh, The Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the CFL have now rattled off nine straight wins, which is a pretty impressive number. Not that I've been watching tons of CFL lately. As we said last week, the the quality of football this season seems to be uh, on a downward trend, unfortunately. A lot of low-scoring games and a lot of uh, non-stuff going on. But uh, nine straight wins, certainly nothing to sneeze at. No. But uh, CFL, CFL, anything can happen in the playoffs. I don't care if you're undefeated going in. I think the Stamps or anyone else has just as good a chance of winning this, the Grey Cup as they do. Uh, the Stamps, I think, are at 500 right now, which yeah. is definitely respectable, likely to get them into the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, hats off to the Blue Bombers, man. I mean, that's a big winning streak. I don't care if the quality of football has been a bit less, but they've been on the top of the heap all year. Um, the uh, where's the Grey Cup going to be this year? I totally Hamilton. forgot. Hamilton, hey, that's yeah. interesting. Tiger Cats aren't really in the mix either. I mean, they could make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean hard they're to not. Say. They're it's not garbage. Right now. Yeah. yeah, CFL's kind of up in the air that way. Yeah, I mean, the only real bad teams are at the bottom of the West right now. Yeah, Elks so. and uh, the BC Lions. Lions, yeah, only legitimate bad ones. Um, NCA basketball, back, finally. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it, it is. Again, like I, with NCAA football, I don't really get into it that much until well, the new year. I'll kind of pay attention to who's uh, who's ranked up there. But again, they're kind of artificial and based on reputation yeah. or anything else. Absolutely. It's um, weird with the NCAA like that. Yeah, I mean, there is merit to it because they usually can get the top of the recruiting classes with the, the notable schools, but it doesn't always translate. Uh, but the one notable thing for the NCAA this year is Coach K's last year at Duke. And uh, I think he's had a really good recruiting class this year. They just won their first game. And uh, I think those players really want to go out on top and give Coach K a, a, a nice send-off. So I would I would really watch Duke if you're an NCAA basketball follower. I think they might have a really crazy year. Uh, and to end off, I, uh, you mentioned that I should do it uh, last week, but I do want to say how good UFC 268 was. That was the first time I enjoyed one of their cards top to bottom in quite some time. Yeah, you uh, hyped it up the last yeah, couple episodes. It, it was good. So. It was really entertaining. That uh, Gaethje Chandler fight was really good, and Gaethje won, thankfully, because I fucking can't stand Michael Chandler. <laughs> um, and uh, Usman uh, retained over Covington, which was sweet. And uh, every fight there outside of uh, the one, uh, the ladies' fight, I can't remember the name off the top of my head not so stupid but that was the only slow one the rest of it really good so if there's any like borderline MMA fans out there who are starting to drift I'd highly recommend going back to watch that show might really back in a little bit nice yeah well hey entertainment's entertainment and that's right you can say it's top top notch well night well spent mm-hmm. <laughs>
I'm going up to Edmonton here tomorrow. It's the Canadian Men's World Cup qualifier against Costa Rica. Alfonso Davies is rearing ready to go. Mexico on Tuesday. These are two huge games. Tune in if you can. If not on mainstream media, find it somewhere on the internet. It's going to be two great soccer matches. Try to change your tone. If you don't like soccer, maybe this will put you into it. Anyways, I'm Bren. He's Bren. We're signing off. Don't be a dick on the internet. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Bren and Brand Sports Podcast. Remember to like, listen, and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio.